Hi, I'm Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Katina Sawyer, and welcome to the Worker Being Podcast. Today, Patricia has an article for us. So before we get into a little catching up here on how things have been going, could you tell us what we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, we are going to talk about unanswered supervisor support. So basically, when you ask your supervisor for help on something or, you know, tell them that you need something and they don't give it to you, what does that do? And well, spoiler alert, it's not so good for (laughs) your wellness, for your performance, and also for your relationship with your supervisor. Yeah, that makes sense. But also, I've never heard of that before um, because usually we just talk about supervisor support or coworker support, and it kind of just assumes that you're sort of just offering it. But I haven't heard anything about the specific impacts of what happens if someone asks and does not receive because as we know ask and ye are supposed to receive but what happens when ye does not <laughs> <laughs> well it's not good but to it's your not point good for ye. <laughs> it's not good for ye <laughs> but to your point i mean they do talk about how a lot of times social support is kind of categorized as almost like a passive thing. Like it just happens Mm -hmm. to you. Yeah. Um, But we do know that people obviously actively ask for support too. So it's a, it's an interesting take on it. And I think a good step in the right direction to understand how that all works. I like it. That's exciting. Um, Well, thank you so much for bringing that topic, a new one that I have not heard about. So I'm excited to learn more about it. Um, Before we delve into more details of your article, Um, how is life going for you this week? Good. Life is good. Uh, last week, I believe we shared that I got the second dose of the vaccine or was about to. So I was a little sick (laughs) the day after, but I'm feeling back to normal and excited that very soon I'll have met my like two week window and I'm able to go out in the world more comfortably. Yeah, so that's been exciting. Uh, Other than that, I mean, we've had gorgeous weather. It's been super warm in the LA area, and it's making me... I mean, I guess it's almost April, so it probably makes sense that it's this temperature, but we... It has been like kind of hovering around high 60s for a while. And this weekend we were in the 80s and I was like, yes, it is time for warmth. So yay. Yeah, I was excited. What about you? What's going on with you? Great. Yeah. Similarly, the weather here has been awesome. So I have been trying to get outside a little bit every day, at least go for a little walk or just even today I had to grade some papers and I sat outside on the back patio and graded them instead of sitting inside. That made me happy. So just like being able to like sit outside and do stuff has been nice. Um, It's also been nice for our dog who just like longs to go outside in the backyard (laughs) all day. So I had him out there with us for, with me for a while. But, um, although the other night we were out there because it was super nice. We had one day where it was like 78 during the day and like 58 at night. So it was like, you could sit out there with the fire pit and like, just like a sweatshirt and it was great. And, um, and all of a sudden Donnie was like freaking out. And Brendan was like, what's he doing? He's being so weird. And we looked up and on the back of the fence was a huge possum. Ugh. And I was like, no, because if that possum came into our yard, there's no way Donnie would like leave it. Alone. Like 
he would approach and then the possum like he would get in a fight with a possum is basically what, what happened <laughs> so i was like no so i like ran up to try to go like scare off the possum the possum like kind of ran away grabbed donnie like and then our night was through and then all night he just cried for the possum he like cried at the door <laughs> for the possum we were like in the basement we have these like skylights that go up into the backyard he was like crying at the skylight for the possum like thought we were like the meanest people in the world that we took him away from like his new friend i'm like it's not your friend he'll scratch your eyes out like <laughs> you don't even know that thing does not want to be your friend but anyway we do have to be on a little bit of alert in the yard now that it's getting nice out because there are some friends critters that want to visit Donnie and they will not be kind to him if they get into the yard and he won't be kind to them either so <laughs> that's really funny I can just imagine him being so hurt that yes. you took him away from the possum <laughs> he was oh he was no. like laying at the door like like laying sprawled out facing the door just like crying <laughs> and crying we're like we're sorry that your life Aww. is so terrible um but yes so in any event but during the day obviously thankfully possums raccoons all the big animals aren't there hopefully or else they have rabies but um they so he can roam free during the day and I don't like worry about him very much but in the nighttime we have to be fairly vigilant yeah that makes a lot of sense and I mean I know you're not in a place where there's like a ton of coyotes but there's probably some yeah There are, there probably are, there's a lot of foxes. Oh, We see a lot of foxes um, when we're walking him and stuff like that. Um, but I don't know if they could get into the yard because it's like the fences are weird, but like a possum and a raccoon can walk on the back of the fence. But like, I feel like a coyote, it's like really skinny. How tall is the fence? Like six feet tall. A coyote can get in. Yeah. Um, my aunt, so, well, this is a horrible story for no <laughs> all listeners out there. This is a little bit traumatic. Just going to give that alert. Um, my aunt has a, uh, Maltese and he was out in the yard and it was like right after some big fires that were near her house. So a lot of animals, when there's fires, a lot of the animals are displaced. There's harder for them to get food. You know, it's like obviously terrible for the right. animals. And a coyote jumped her fence. And it was like a, ah. it's not even like a, a fancy, it's like a brick wall, like a six foot tall Whoa. brick wall. And it jumped in, um, and attacked her dog. Her oh, dog no. survived. Her dog is fine. That's good. I mean, I don't understand how a tiny Maltese fought off a coyote. Yeah, really. Uh, entire, like, I mean, the, he made a noise, too. So, like, my aunt ran out there and all that. Right. But, um, but definitely got in a, a fight with a coyote. And then the coyote just jumped right over the the wall again and left. So, clearly, wow. they can do that. So, just beware Defeated about that, too. by the mighty Maltese, but very scary. <laughs> What's yeah. the dog's name? Cosmo. <laughs> Cosmo. That's like a Disney movie, like Cosmo, the like fero- like ferocious Maltese, like the brave Maltese that beat a coyote. Yeah, he's like eight pounds. Like, I don't even understand. <laughs> the coyote's probably like at least 25 or 30. Yeah, and- <laughs> those dogs are really small. Like, at least Donnie's like 20 pounds. Like, he's a little bigger than like an eight pound dog. Like, that's like so tiny oh yeah he is super super small and he's like 14 years old this was like maybe a year Aww. ago or a year and a half ago 
Um, maybe a little more, but still. So he was still like an old dog too. Old, but brave and yeah. strong. Old, um, but mighty. Well, I'm glad that Cosmo fought off the coyote, even though I feel bad for the coyote because it was hungry. Sorry. I feel more bad for the dog that got attacked than for the hungry coyote. I know. I'm sure the coyote, well, I guess I can't say I'm sure it was fine, but hopefully it was fine. Yeah. Um, a lot the of people, of life. yeah, a lot of people kind of do, it's like people do things that they want to be nice to the animals, but then it ends up being stupid because of the situation. Like the people yeah. were leaving water, bowls of water out on the sidewalks in the town hmm. to, because of the fires, you know, trying to help right. these animals. And like, I totally get that. But then now you're basically coaxing them out further right, into situations right. that could become dangerous. So it's kind of a balance. You have to figure out the balance like when people feed seagulls at the shore like don't yeah. do that and then they come to you oh my god no well and i didn't even realize that seagulls in other parts of the world are not like ferocious attackers like they are in new jersey because i didn't realize that like people in other places are just like oh yeah you don't feed them that's stupid so then they don't act the same way in other places as they do in new jersey but when you go to the beach in new jersey those seagulls are out of hand and that's why i have like an undying hatred for seagulls and because <laughs> I think they're like horrible they'll like take your pizza they'll like take your bagel like I grew up my whole life whatever you had on the beach it was like hide it from the seagull like don't let them see you eat it like it was like a whole thing and then I went somewhere I forget where and I was like hiding my sandwich from a seagull and so and the person I was with was like what are you doing and I was like you gotta hide your sandwich <laughs> from the seagull and they were like why and I was like it'll take your sandwich and they were like seagulls don't eat sandwiches and I was like oh yes they do and then I realized like I took my sandwich out in the open and the seagull didn't care because the seagull didn't know it could eat a sandwich but in Jersey it knows it can and it wants it that's really so, funny yes we we have true. kind of a mix of that I will say like we have Seagulls will come over and like be like, hey, like what's that if you leave it out? <laughs> but if you're act- hey. <laughs> actively eating it, they're probably not going to take it from you. Yeah. No, these seagulls are rude. They're like, <laughs> that's mine. Bye. And they fly off. Someone brought, my brother bought, there's this place on the boardwalk. It's like not really true, but it's called the world's biggest slice of pizza. Like that's the name of the place. It really is a huge slice of pizza. Like it's basically like a quarter of a pizza is one slice. Oh gosh. And, um seagulls took the whole piece like the whole <gasps> they flew away with this huge i mean like bigger than like two seagulls piece of pizza oh they just my took it out gosh. of his hand. like five of them attacked him one was like on his head like flapping its wings what? and they all just like took his pizza and they flew away with it okay and that's yeah. why i'm like Th- those are some are very yes. <laughs> aggressive seagulls yeah no they when like, i said ours you. like food it's not like that nope <laughs> yes, not like that no you get like robbed by them um <laughs> so in any event anyways yes. but if i were i there's no way to transition this um i was gonna say like i was if i was being attacked for a seagull by a seagull and i asked you for help and you didn't help me i would be very mad perfect transition for all those supervisors out there this is your feedback your takeaway from the day if your employee is being attacked by seagulls please support them better it's really important how about just no field trips to the jersey shore nope yeah that's a better idea okay that sounds good um so anyway what is the name of your article? Who wrote it? What's all the details? 
Yeah. So the details. Um, the article is called The Effects of Unanswered Supervisor Support on Employees' Well-Being, Performance, and Relational Outcomes. And it was published last month, uh, 2021, in the Journal of Occupational Health Psychology. And it was written by McIlroy, Parker, and McKimmy. Awesome. Uh, so pretty new. New article. Yes. Fun stuff. So to give you a little bit of context before we dive into what they found. So we've talked about social support before. We obviously mentioned at the beginning that really when you think about the other articles we've talked about before with coworker support and, you know, even supervisor support, we've talked about the types of support people can give. And it's always been kind of described in a more passive way, right? It's like your supervisor provides you with some sort of emotional support because you need it, but it's not necessarily because you're asking for it. And this is specifically looking at what happens when you ask for support and you don't get it. So you're kind of left high and dry. You want something and you are rebuked. Exactly. And we know that getting supervisor support is important, right? And all those other studies that we've talked about before, Having supervisor support can be seen kind of like a job resource. So now you've got your resources, you've got help that you need, um, which can lead to all sorts of good things, right? You being more satisfied in your job, it can lead to things like um, obviously better performance, more engaged in your work, all a lot of good things that can be associated with support. So having support is really important. Um, And this article these authors, you know, obviously see that and are like, okay, well, we know that if you have it, it's good. And if you don't have it, it isn't good. But what, what about more active things? So if you were to ask for it and get it versus ask for it and not get it, what happens to you? Yeah. So it's kind of like, not just saying present, not present, which is kind of how we've thought about it before. Is your supervisor supportive or do you not have the presence of supervisor support? It's like, kind of also taking into account the extent to which you want supervisor support. So it's like maybe somebody, you know, just like anything else, there's variability in the extent to which you really want your supervisor to have support to be supportive. Although we know in general it has positive outcomes, but this is a situation where it's very clear that the person is wishing for support and it's being unfulfilled. Exactly. And I kind of like to think about those other types of studies of thinking about support broadly, right? Like if you get support just generally from your leader, like if you think about your leader and you think of them as being supportive, it leads to good things. And this is almost more of like a specific situation, right? Like in this instance, am I getting the support I need that I've requested? Um, And how does that impact me? So it's a little bit more specific a little bit more granular of a look at what supervisor support can do than kind of that more holistic approach of just generally are you getting support yeah and I think that's an interesting approach in general I see a lot of that in like employee engagement surveys for example where you might be asking people like oh you know how engaged are you with your coworkers, or how engaged are you with your pay or how engaged are you with the mission or whatever But they don't really ever ask like, and how much do you actually care about that? Or how much do you actually want to be engaged by that? So it's like, I could say I'm not very engaged with the mission, but if I'm not a person that really cares about the mission of the place that I work, then that might not necessarily be a bad thing on face value. So I guess like this is kind of getting at like a specifically important example, which would be like, okay, if I say that, you know, I'm not getting the pay that I want, 
but I really care about pay or I really want pay, better pay, then that's going to be even more important for me than somebody who says, yeah, I'm not getting the pay I want. It'd probably be better if I got the pay that I wanted, but it's not like a top priority for me. Mm -hmm. It's not a deal breaker. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. For sure. So this study, um, what they did is they actually looked at two different studies. So they had, well, let me just first start with saying kind of what they thought was going to happen. Basically, what they were looking at is understanding whether or not getting that support can satisfy somebody's basic needs. So they talked about psychological needs. We've talked about self-determination theory a lot. Um, So they use self-determination theory as kind of a an explanation for how this would work. So basically if you get the job resources, like the support that you require, then your basic psychological needs are going to be met. Um, Just as a refresher, the needs in this theory are autonomy, um, competence and relatedness. So basically having a sense of control over your own behavior, um, feeling that you're capable and efficacious and then also feeling connected to others. Those are the kind of needs that you have. And so in this theory, and they're basically saying that if you don't get the support, your needs aren't going to be met and that's going to lead to all sorts of bad things. So Uh, they're basically saying that supervisors, like mostly when people are asking for their supervisors for support, it's falling into one of these categories. And so if you're not getting the, if you're not getting the support you need, then you're going to experience a lack of these basic needs. Exactly. Yes. Okay, cool. And then they link that to like few other things, right? Like we talked about wellness and performance, et cetera. So they had two different studies. Uh, the first study that they did was actually looking at people that are currently in the workplace. So they took 300 people in the UK and at, that had a supervisor and they asked them to complete a survey um, and they had kind of two conditions, right? So they, they lost a few people in their sample when they were asking people to go through the screening question where they were asking, all right, think about the last month at work and did any of the following happen to you? And so if people selected, I asked my supervisor for help and I received their help um, and they only selected that, then they would be considered answered support. If they selected, I asked my supervisor for help, but I did not receive their help, then they were considered somebody that did have had unanswered support. Gotcha. If they said both, they were removed from the study because it's okay. a little muddy. Gotcha. Um, and so then they were asked to write about their specific situation. So they wrote down like what happened when they asked for that support and they did or did not get it. And then they completed a survey, which I'm not going to go into all the different things they measured because there's a lot, Um, but they did measure, you know, perceived supervisor support. So uh, an example question would be my supervisor gave me supportive feedback. Uh, They asked about the need satisfaction. So did people feel like they, you know, had that autonomy? I felt free to do my job the way I thought it could be best done, or I felt competent at my job or... At work, I felt part of a group. So getting at all those different needs. Cool. Uh, and, they, and then they also ask questions around things like emotional exhaustion, engagement, um, how much people identified to the organization, how effective they thought their leader was, how good their relationship with the leader was, their turnover intentions, things like that. So there's a lot that they were measuring in this survey. And they asked it all at one time. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
So they had people write down about their situation and then they had them answer these questions. So it's almost okay. like they were gotcha. primed about the situation where they weren't or were getting the help they needed. Okay, cool. Um, so that was the first study. And study two, it was more of an experiment. So they actually had students in a lab. They came in and they were put in, a, in front of a computer and were given a task. So it was kind of like a work simulation. They were basically pretending to be um, like an admin assistant, helping schedule some appointments. And they were then, they were told that they can I am a supervisor if they have any questions, right? Mm. Um, and so there were four different conditions. There was a control where they didn't have, where the task was, they weren't told that they can ask for support, right? So they just had, here's a task, do it the end okay gotcha. um then they had an unanswered support so that was when basically they were told they have this supervisor that can help them if they sent them a message the person the supervisor went didn't respond and then went offline so you could see that they actively went offline gotcha. then they had answered support which means that they sent the question to this i am of the supervisor and the supervisor responded uh, gave an answer and was supportive, you know, saying nice work, keep it up, whatever. Then they had the fourth one was acknowledged. So this is where the person sent a question to the supervisor. The supervisor responded basically saying, I can't take a look at this right now, but just keep going. You're fine. Um, mm-hmm. So acknowledge it, but didn't actually help or support. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So, and then they, uh, what did they measure after the person went through that condition so pretty similar stuff to the first time around the first study so they looked at you know how much they perceived supervisor support um or were their needs satisfied how did they perform um how exhausted were they all that kind of good stuff okay cool so they're sort of in the first one they're just saying okay if people are reporting that they have more or less help that they've asked for we'll see if at the moment they also are experiencing better or worse outcomes. And then in the lab study, they're basically saying, okay, now we can manipulate it and say, okay, when you actually experience right now, whether or not someone is uh, giving you the help that you asked for, we can then see more of a causal, okay, if I put you in this situation versus if you are in another situation, how do you feel after it's done? So it gives it a little bit more of a causal explanation. Exactly. Yep. So the second study was really trying to get at the explanation. And, you know, we can talk about how there are ways to improve this research and like future studies. I think that would be really important. But kind of as a first step, this did find some pretty interesting stuff. Cool. So what did they find? So they kind of found what you probably would have expected. So in the first study, they found that unanswered support led to lower levels of need satisfaction. And then that led to lower levels in performance and the wellness outcomes and the relational outcomes. So basically, um, they saw that if you didn't get the support you needed, you were more likely to say that your needs weren't met. And then you're also more likely to say, I'm not engaged. I don't think my performance is that great. My leader isn't that effective. We don't have a very good relationship. I don't see myself identified within this organization. I don't identify with the company. Um, I'm more exhausted. So all of those bad things, all the things they measured basically went in the wrong direction, went bad if you didn't get the support. 
So having the unanswered support is not a positive thing. I'm curious to see how it worked out in the second study with regard to the different comparisons between the different conditions. Yeah, so that was really interesting to me because I was hoping to see bigger differences between the control groups, but I'll tell you what happened. So basically what happened is the unanswered support group, um, so when the supervisor disappeared, they had more emotional exhaustion and they had lower engagement compared mm-hmm. to the um, the group that got a response. They also felt like their performance was worse and they actually measured performance. So they, because uh, they were doing a task on a computer, they were able to mm-hmm. see like if the person did well. And so on some of the metrics, they did worse when they didn't get a response. Okay, gotcha. Um, and it, it was the same story where it led to lower need satisfaction. So basically, I didn't get the support I needed. I don't feel like my needs are met. And then that led to all those bad things. When okay. you compare to the answered support. However, okay. here's the ca- the catch. There were no significant differences between the unanswered support and the control or the acknowledged condition. Mm-hmm. And the same was the for the answered support. So basically, there was a difference between unanswered and answered, but no differences between the other groups. Huh. That's interesting. So... It does make a difference whether you answer it or you don't answer it, but it's not like the extremes are a difference, but somewhere in between could also be okay. Yeah, it could be okay. There's just really no, yeah, there's no difference between like if you acknowledge it, say, hey, I can't get to this right now, but I got it. That didn't have a difference than someone saying, good job. Here's the answer to your question, you know? So basically it's just don't ghost people or like disappear. Yeah. That's what it seems to be. It seems to really be the biggest impact here seems to be that whole idea of just not answering the support. So this is where I think there's a lot of room for more research because in the first study, unanswered support could have meant a lot of different things. So they did have some stats around like, what does that mean? And for some people it was like they, um, you know, the supervisor couldn't get me the answer. Not that they didn't want to. Some was mm-hmm. no response. There was all sort. There's a huge variety in why they didn't get the support they needed. Um, and so this study, study two, is trying to detangle that a bit. And it seems like, well, the acknowledgement piece actually isn't that bad um, compared to you know, even the unanswered stuff. So it's just it's a really it's kind of complicated, I think, but. I think that there's some some clear takeaways. I mean, I think most people know that if your employee comes to you, you should probably try to support them. And I think this is this study has found that and supported that to some extent. And I think there's just more work that could be done. Yeah. And it seems like, I mean, if you're thinking about what is the ultimate response You're going to acknowledge maybe initially, but if you never came back to that person and never gave them help, like they also don't have an ability to follow that long term. Mm -hmm. So if you acknowledge it, but then never provided the help that maybe would have an impact compared to if you acknowledge it and eventually provide the help. So I think that's sort of like a, you know, unsure condition because if you say, I can't do it right now, but I'll do it later. But what if you never do do it later? It might look the same as the mm-hmm. other condition. So it kind of seems to me like that condition's like a little muddy um, in terms of the, the, the like practicality for real life because 
there would be a down the line yeah. follow up on that that we don't know what the impact is if that never happens. Um, so I think with regard to the differences that did shake out, it's like, okay, most likely responses are either going to be, I'm not helping you or I'm going to help you. And there is a difference between saying I'm going to help you or I'm not going to help you. So if you can, don't say I'm not going to help you and do say that you are going to help. Uh, if you need to say that, you know, you need some time to come back to it, you can do that. But I would assume that if you don't actually come back to it and offer the help, eventually it could have a bad impact. So I'm going to bet that ultimately eventually providing help is going to be what makes a difference. And if you never provide the help, that probably is worse. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think you're right. I think that that is a bit of a muddy one. And because it is an experiment in a lab, you can't really see what happens. Uh, so the study one where you have that field sample, you have actual people talking about their work, you know, they're the ones that are saying that in the last month, my supervisor hasn't given me help. So that would mean they asked, the person could have acknowledged, right? Right. And then right. never came back with the help. Uh, there was, so if we want to get into the weeds, there was a little bit more in study one, which I think is mm. kind of interesting. Uh, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to get this deep, but we're doing it. We're going there. Going for it. <laughs> so they also were asking people what they attribute the reason why they didn't get help too, right? Mm -hmm. So they had three different types of attributions, right? So it could have been like, I didn't get the help and partially that's my fault. Mm -hmm. I didn't get the help and my supervisors is kind of at fault. Or I didn't get the help and my company is at fault. Hmm. Which makes sense. Sometimes the supervisor right. doesn't have the power to give you the answer yeah. or doesn't have that answer, right? So when they looked at that, so just kind of as an additional tidbit, uh, basically if people felt like their supervisor is the reason why they didn't get help, they're more likely to be emotionally exhausted. Hmm. Um, and they also are more likely to not see their relationship with that supervisor as good. Mm -hmm. And not see the supervisor as being effective. Gotcha. So if if the supervisor is the one that's to blame for not providing the help, it does have some unique impacts compared to just not getting help in general. Like, oh, I'm just not in a workplace where people help each other. Right. Yeah. And um, that also there was another finding, too, that had to do with whether or not they thought it was the company's fault. And so if they thought it was the company's fault the person was more likely to not identify well with that company, right? They don't see mm -hmm. themselves as a part of that company. Gotcha. Yeah. So it seems like if you blame the company, you're less enchanted with the company. If you blame the supervisor, you're less enchanted with the supervisor, but the supervisor piece had some more impacts um, or a greater number of impacts. It sounds like. Yeah, exactly. Okay, and then gotcha. they had, the other thing was, you know, they looked at whether, they, the person thought they were to blame. Um, and that one was interesting because it wasn't that like, if you really thought you were self, you were to blame, some of those results kind of disappeared. So it's basically like if you didn't think you were to blame, so it's kind of like the opposite. It's not like I'm blaming the supervisor. I'm blaming the organization. I am not to blame is mm -hmm. this response. Then I'm more likely to view my leader negatively. Gotcha. Okay. 
Um, so people in those situations are more likely to see it as maybe the leader's fault. Yeah, probably. They just answered those questions low. So they were less likely mm-hmm. to think it's their fault. And then therefore. So yeah, so most likely they also were answering that the supervisor is to blame. But right, right. Uh, that's that's one of the findings. So that's kind of like another interesting take, right? There's not only is not answering um, your employee back and giving them the support they need going to lead to some negative impacts. They're not going to have their needs met. They're going to be more exhausted, less engaged, worse performance, blah, blah, blah. But it can also impact how your employee views you if you uh, if they think you're the reason why you didn't, they didn't get support. But if so, it's kind of an interesting thing, like a comp, like a leader has a really interesting approach they have to take. If there's some support they can't provide, you have to figure out how to navigate that where you're communicating that it's not because you don't want to help them, but then you also right. need a balance, not blaming the company too much. So it's kind of a difficult situation to be in. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Trying to figure out a way to explain why that resource isn't available without really like pinning it on anything. If you have to pin it on the organization rather than yourself, I would imagine that that would be better as long as that's what's true um like if you're trying to get out of explaining that you're the reason why people will probably see through that but it sounds like there's a better like you know the better of the worse things would be for it to fall on the organization instead of the supervisor from an outcome perspective but Mm -hmm. the idea of trying to figure out how to explain it without really throwing the supervisor or the organization under the bus is kind of um challenging Yeah, it definitely is. But I think really the biggest takeaways, you know, are for the supervisor to make sure that they provide support when it's asked. Don't ignore emails from your team members. Don't ignore those requests or forget about them. Try to keep that top of mind. So you're managing those requests and giving the support that's needed. If you can't, make sure that you're actually explaining why so they're not blaming you. Uh, Try to figure out how to explain it that's not impacting the organization as well, if that's possible. Uh, But I think there's a lot that a supervisor can do here to kind of mitigate any of these issues that come with not answering to the support that's needed. But then organizations also have an important takeaway too. Companies really need to give supervisors the, the control to help and support. You know, let them make the decisions, let them have access to resources to provide to their employees. I think that that's important, too, because obviously if the organization isn't supporting the supervisor's ability to support the employees, (laughs) it's kind of a weird sentence, but that will lead to your employees not, you know, identifying with the organization, having challenges, seeing themselves as part of this bigger picture, which is obviously problematic, too. Yeah, absolutely. So organizations need to worry not just about whether people view the organization broadly as being supportive, but also the supervisors have a big part to play in how well your employees fare. So don't make your supervisors be in a tough position where they are unable to help or they're stretched so thin that they feel like they don't even have the time to offer to help. Like allowing your supervisors to be freed up enough that they can also support their team and making it clear that that's important and a priority can also be useful. That's a really good point. The 
the time piece is critical because we, I think all of us have had in our careers at some point, a leader that has been so busy that they don't actually have time to give you the support that you need when that's really their job, right? A big piece of being a leader is supporting the team. Um, Obviously there's other components, but you need to make sure you have time for that. And I think when companies overload leaders plates with the other sides of leadership, like the strategy, et cetera, and want dead have deadlines unnecessarily strict for those types of things. That's when the people management piece falls to the wayside. And that's where you get these problems. Yeah. Yeah. So you can really save yourself a lot of strife from an employee perspective by making sure that your managers recognize and value, um, helping, there and offering support to and being able to offer support to their employees and that requires material resources but it also requires the resource of time so making sure that you're not running people ragged because then they can have all the resources in the world but they're not going to be able to take advantage of those and actually give the support that the employees need Mm -hmm. so yeah that that's a summary those are my takeaways I think it's an interesting concept and I'm excited to see what work comes of it it seems like these authors I've seen a couple of potential impress pieces from them cool so i think there's more work coming on this topic and i'm sure that there'll be even more coming in the future that's awesome well supervisors help your people if you can organizations let them help their people and thank you patricia for um reading this article i really enjoyed hearing about this topic that i never heard about before of course i'm always happy to do so Uh, For all of you listeners, thank you so much for listening to us today. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe, share our podcast, leave us a review. We uh, really would love your help to spread the word about what we're sharing today and hopefully get everyone on the same page from a workplace wellness perspective. Um, Also wanted to plug our courses again. So if you haven't seen, we do have some courses on our website that you can find, um, one being completely free on managing stress. So please go check that out. Um, And also, we'd love to hear from you. So we say this every time and we love hearing your emails, hearing them. I don't know if we hear them, but (laughs) reading them, (laughs) you know, reading that your emails, DMs, etc. So please reach out. You can find us at workerbeing.com. You can email us at contact at workerbeing.com. And you can also find us on social media at workerbeing on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening. The Worker Being Podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabarek and Katina Sawyer, and produced by Allie Johnson. Oh.